Waiting For. The same words appear in the titles of the two pieces in this programme. The first from the US is Waiting For Jared. The second from Ireland is Waiting For You Too. Both have women waiting for men. In Waiting For Jared, a mother from New England is waiting for her son to come back from war. In Waiting For You Too, three teenagers spend all their days hanging around Windmill Lane in Dublin waiting for a glimpse of You Too. They both have elements of the quirky and the sad, but to different degrees. First, Waiting For Jared. It was made in 2006 for the SALT Institute's SALTcast by student Megan Vigent. Marjorie Richard is waiting. Every day I move a penny from this one to this one. (laughs) These are the days he has left. These are the days he's got done. Marjorie is waiting for her son Jared to return home from the war in Iraq. In her kitchen in Mexico, Maine, she counts off the days with pennies. At 7 a.m., after moving today's penny from one jar to another, it's time for breakfast. You're not going to believe this. I have the same old breakfast every morning. A cup of hot water, a whole wheat toast, and a 12-ounce glass of orange juice. That's enough for me. (laughs) Her husband Joe is still in bed, but Marjorie isn't eating alone. At the table sits someone that looks just like Jared. He's got Jared's hazel eyes, but they only stare. Marjorie talks to him, but he never responds. He's not Jared. He's Flat Jared. Well, we call him Flat Son. Marjorie's Flat Son is a cardboard cutout. It is a life-size replica of her son from the waist up, complete with army fatigues and hat. The Maine National Guard provided Marjorie with the enlarged photo for what is known as a Flat Daddy. She cut it out and stuck it on cardboard. You know, it makes me feel good. I sit here and I can look and there's my son. Even though he's not here, he's here. Five years ago, Jared joined the Maine National Guard to help pay for his college education. He had a commitment of six years, but he thought six years of two weeks a year, one week in a month. But he never thought that he'd be going to war. And uh, here I am now just hanging, waiting for the year to go by for Jared to come back. And that's, that has consumed my whole life. Hey, Jared. Marjorie buckles flat Jared in the passenger seat. The flat son has traveled to many parts of town. The local school, the daycare center, town hall, a family reunion. Today, Marjorie and flat Jared are going to the post office. You're getting to go a lot of places because different people want to see you. Before the big return, Jared is coming home for a two-week R&R at Christmas. Marjorie is looking forward to having her son home, even if it's only for two weeks. But after Christmas, Jared will return to Iraq. After Christmas, there will still be a war. He's not a killer. I don't think Jared's ever had a contact physical fight with anybody. You know, he's just been a peaceful man, a kind man. Jared is not the first person in the family to fight in a war. My father never shared what he did in the war, never. And all he said was um, men that go around telling big stories, they did this and they did that. And He says they're probably the ones that never actually were face-to-face with the enemy, you know. He said those that were there and lived it don't talk about it. So uh, I can see that being the case with Jared, that... The bad things that happened will be stored away somewhere in his mind. And if he ever did want to talk about it, I wouldn't like to hear it. But if he felt the need he had to, uh, I, I, I don't know. 
He's always going to be my hero, no matter what. At the post office, Marjorie uses both her arms and legs to open the door as she juggles the package and her flat son. I took, I took my boy along with me so he could put a face with through all the packages. Marjorie is a woman of service. As a mom, she volunteered for everything. Cub leader, scout leader, Sunday school teacher. Now she volunteers at a senior center and a soup kitchen. So when her son's troop sent a list home for items like flea collars, blankets, candy, and movies, Marjorie sprang into action. He's actually coming home for two weeks on the 11th. In one month, Marjorie collected 42,000 pennies from kids and neighbors tossing in their two cents. The package that goes out today contains 30 DVDs and a few pieces of hard candy, all for her son's troop. And your coffee, and I thank you, ma'am. You're welcome. You're again, welcome. probably welcome see you again next home. week. <laughs> oh, boy, did it rain. Back home, Marjorie places flat Jared in his chair at the kitchen table, then asks the same question she asks every time she's been out. Did anybody call? No. no. Gee. <laughs> Marjorie sits down across from her flat son. She brings out a Mother's Day gift from Jared three pictures of him on his bunk in Baghdad, the first pointing to his eye, then pointing to his heart, and the last pointing to the camera. In the living room, Joe is reading the paper and listening to the radio. The announcer reports more deaths in Baghdad. How do you feel about the idea that he's maybe killed people? I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. You know... I, I'd rather he would never share that with me. You know, the closest he's come telling me something like that is saying, Ma, I just want you to know that this is real war. We're not playing a game. I just hope that he's of such high moral character and that he has such good faith in everything that he's still the same person. Not only is Marjorie worried about Jared killing others, She's worried about him getting killed. Marjorie's daughter, Joanne, died in a car accident seven years ago. She says she's moved past that tragedy. But now with Jared in Iraq, she struggles with the thought of losing another child. I don't think I could lose another kid. And I, and I consider myself strong. I've been through fire, flood. I've lost my parents, lost one daughter. You know, and um, that hurts every day of my life. So I don't think I could. Can't, can't look at my boy. You know, and I just say, oh, God, you can't. You wouldn't do that to me, would you? You know, get him almost home and let something happen. Please, if you need somebody, me, not, not my boy, yeah, anything. Marjorie's waiting is almost over. I've got my boy back for, you know, two weeks, and then... I'll probably deal with, you know, the next. For now, Marjorie has her flat, Jared. Coming home. That's all that's on my mind now. Coming home, coming home, coming home. For Salt Radio, this is Megan Vigent. Jared did return home safely. Waiting for Jared was made by student Megan Vigent in 2006 for the Salt Institute's Saltcast in Maine.
1989, RTE producer Julian Vignoles made a documentary called Waiting For You Too. It featured three teenagers who were hanging around Windmill Lane, hoping to meet the band U2 going in and out of their recording studio there. The full documentary is on the documentary on one site. This is an edited extract. We are foolish though. We you know, know ourselves, like, you know. Get our days when we hate coming down here. We want to live, but we just can't, you know. Ourselves. Yeah, but We're, it was like we were blindfolded. We couldn't see where we were going. Yeah. We're here. We're led here. We can't stop. Like we look at other people, running to just stand to, we look at other people and they're gone. This place, that place, this disco, that nightclub. They say they to us, where, "Where were you last night?" We can't tell them. Yeah, no, we can't. We're tell them. down well, in you know, waiting for a bone or something. We have no it's night. It's embarrassing now. We've no money. Every penny we have, we buy a book, stuff. a record, a single, anything. You know, anything belongs to it. I'm so depressed in work, and uh, you two is on my mind. From the moment I get up in the morning till I leave that door, and I'm trying to get down here and see if Bono is down to talk to him. I can't work. It's. Mm. I didn't think it was this bad, but when I like I wasn't working from December until March, and I didn't sort of realise. And then when I went into work in March, it's every minute of the day I'm just thinking, you two, I can't concentrate. I can't give me full hundred percent in so that's work. That's a lot got to do with And that. yeah, it's God. It kills me when I think about it, but. Work is just nearly out of the question. I'm still, I go mad in work. I feel like I want to leave. I just can't cope with it all, you know. Just like breaks down on top of me. An edited extract from Waiting for You Too by Julian Vignoles in 1989. You can hear the full documentary on the documentary on one site on rte.ie. There's also a link to Megan Vigeon's piece. Just go to Documentary on One and click on the tab marked The Curious Ear.